to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week we're going to be looking at the case of Commissioners for Her Majesty's Revenue and Customs and Tooth. The citation for this case is 2021 UKSC 17. And this week we have an interesting tax case about something called a discovery assessment. The idea behind this concept is that if HMRC finds out that a taxpayer's assessment of their tax is insufficient then they have the power to make a fresh assessment, and that is called a discovery assessment. In this particular case, the respondent, Mr Tooth, filed a tax return in 2009 using IRIS software that is approved by HMRC. The slight quirk was that Tooth had taken part in a legal tax avoidance scheme and wanted to use the losses from the scheme to reduce his own income tax liability. Unfortunately, there was a software issue with the form that meant he was unable to enter the losses as an employment-related loss. Tooth got in touch with the Iris software engineers who advised him to enter the losses into another box and then explain what he had done in one of the so-called white spaces, which are basically comment boxes that allow for explanations. He did this, but HMRC still disagreed with the assessment because they considered the tax avoidance scheme to be ineffective, although they failed to actually open up an appropriate inquiry into the return. Instead, they waited until 2014, when retrospective legislation confirmed that the tax avoidance scheme was ineffective, and then they issued a discovery assessment under Section 29 of the Taxes Management Act 1970. Tooth appealed the discovery assessment on a couple of grounds. The first was whether HMRC had made the requisite discovery. The second was premised on the condition used by HMRC to justify the discovery assessment. They argued that there had been a deliberate inaccuracy in the form, and Tooth denied this as his second round of appeal. All of the lower courts had slightly differing views on these grounds, and so the questions got appealed to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick things up. The justices actually dealt with the second ground first, and so we will follow suit and do the same thing here. In order to work out whether Tooth committed a deliberate inaccuracy in filling out his tax return, it is necessary to interpret section 29.4 and section 118 subsection 7 of the Taxes Management Act 1970 together. Section 29.4 requires that the insufficiency of tax, quote, was brought about carelessly or deliberately by the taxpayer or a person acting on his behalf, end quote. On the other hand, section 118, subsection 7 of the 1970 Act states that, quote, references to a loss of tax or a situation brought about deliberately by a person include a loss of tax or a situation that arises as a result of a deliberate inaccuracy in a document, end quote. So what we're trying to get at here is whether a deliberate inaccuracy means that Tooth deliberately filled out the form incorrectly, as he was told to do so by the software engineer, or if it means that there was a deliberate intention to mislead HMRC, which is not what Tooth was doing at all. In the end, the justices adopted the latter, more stringent definition that requires malintent for a few different reasons. Firstly, it's the natural meaning of the words deliberate inaccuracy as they would be used in daily life. Secondly, it marries up with the statutory context around the discovery assessment. Thirdly, it is consistent with the idea of this being a penalty scheme. And finally, this interpretation was what Parliament intended when it passed the legislation. 
There was also a question about whether what Tooth submitted even constituted an inaccuracy. For the Supreme Court, it didn't. After all, it is true that Tooth put the amount in the wrong box, and so the automated system at HMRC registered this as an inaccuracy. But he also acknowledged and explained this inaccuracy in the white spaces. What is the point of having these comment boxes, if not for the taxpayer to explain something within the form? Just because the automated system doesn't pick it up, doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Therefore, Tooth was successful on the second ground of appeal. This meant they won the case, but the justices still took the time to also go back and consider the first ground of appeal about whether HMRC had made the requisite discovery. Here it was necessary to look at section 29.1 that basically tells us that if a tax assessment is insufficient, then an officer or the board may make an assessment of the amount that is owed to the Crown. The time limit runs from the end of the year to which the assessment relates, instead of the date of discovery. And this is important here because the focus in the provision is on the state of mind of the individual officer who makes the assessment. Reading the provision in context, a discovery is not made once and for all by HMRC as a collective unit, but by the individual. In other words, it is perfectly possible for a discovery to be made, and then for a different officer to make the same discovery at some future point in time. Furthermore, there is no sense that a discovery will lose its quality over time. As a result, HMRC were actually successful on that first round, even though they lost the overall case because of the second argument advanced. Moving on to our own analysis, the way that those two grounds of appeal overlap is actually really important. The relative lackadaisical approach that the Supreme Court took to the definition of discovery is understandable given the other protections that are in place for taxpayers. After all, HMRC have to satisfy one of the two conditions outlined in the legislation, and that is why they fell down in this case. There are other options as well, so statutory time limits are built in based on the level of culpability, and a judicial review can be made to challenge the discretion used to issue an assessment. However, even with those other options, there is a good argument that this interpretation is a bit too liberal and creates too much of an open door for HMRC. Taxpayers want certainty around their assessment, but knowing that another officer can make an assessment at some other point and potentially pick up on exactly the same issue that was made before is a concern and doesn't offer much faith in the finality of assessments. Nevertheless, I think the right approach was taken on the second ground concerning deliberate inaccuracies. Clearly, Mr. Tooth did everything in his power to try and submit a correct assessment, up to and including talking to the software engineers involved. To say that he was deliberately inaccurate would be to force a different meaning onto the words. This is a penalty scheme, and it's not right that someone should be penalised if they have acted honestly from the start. That was pretty open and shut in this case, but the Supreme Court should be cognisant of possible future cases where the outcome is not so certain. There, it is necessary that taxpayers are offered the full protection of the law from the overreaching hand of the taxman. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. Quick reminder before we go that if you'd like to support the podcast and help to keep it ad-free, you can subscribe to my newsletter and earn yourself some nice perks, including more content from me each week and a free ebook on how to answer essay questions in a law degree. 
If that sounds like something you're interested in, then check out the link in the description to this podcast episode. Anyway, I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!